This episode of Sports with Friends is brought to you by Fume, the number one natural way to quit smoking. If you know anything about me, you know how anti-smoking I am. My parents smoked for so many years, and I hate to say it, they are still smoking. And I recently picked this up for them. There's a new product called Fume, F-U-M. It's the number one natural way to quit smoking. It takes the benefits of super plants, behavioral science, and beautiful design to make quitting smoking a little easier. What appealed to my parents were the flavors. There are many of them. They dug the cocoa mint, the cozy chai, and invigorate. It's a wooden handcrafted inhaler, a hand-to-mouth replacement. Plant-packed cores studied to curb cravings and taste and smell great. It's no smoke, no vape, no nicotine, and no harmful chemicals. Here on Sports with Friends, we have a discount for you. Just go to this website and type in our code. Our code is SWF, Sports with Friends. Go to the website, www.breathefume.com. Fume is F-U-M. Breathefume.com slash SWF. So if you use that code, you save 10% on your order today. I received it, and all I thought about were my parents. If you are a smoker, you need this. If you know a smoker, you can help them out. This is a great gift idea. There's over a dozen unique flavors, so you fill out an online quiz and find out what cores are best for you. Takes 30 seconds. Go to breathefume.com. Shop breathefume, F-U-M, and save 10% with the code SWF for Sports with Friends. Fume, the number one natural way to do what I've been begging my parents to do. Quit smoking. And now stay tuned for Sports with Friends. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading, subscribing, all of it. This is episode 319, and I am just going to say this right now. This is a very serious subject that we're going to be talking about, but it is episode 319. I've been waiting to do this for 318 other episodes. 319. I have literally been waiting. Once we hit 300 episodes, I said, wait, when we get to 319, that's a great song. Back then, he was the artist formerly known as Prince. Our guest today knows about my relationship with Prince, and he also knows our history. TJ Quinn has been on Sports with Friends before. We'll be talking to TJ Quinn in just a second. But first, we also want to remind you it's week four in the NFL. Tom Brady. Going back to New England, we'll bring in the head odds maker of BovadaSportsBook.com, Patrick Morrow. Patrick, what will we be talking about? We'll be taking a look at Brady and Gronk's return to New England. But Seth, while you've got TJ handy, how can we deal with Kyrie Irving this season? Oh yes, we'll be discussing that as well. Episode 244 to be exact, and the timeline is such that we had him on during the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. 
Two weeks before we had TJ, we had Ben Anderson of the Utah Jazz Radio Network. He was one of the guys who had his microphone licked by Rudy Gobert. The week after we had TJ, we had Ryan Rucco, who was calling the Nuggets-Mavericks game for ESPN. Remember the NBA suspended their season and all sports followed suit. TJ Quinn was on, and we didn't really do the whole episode on COVID. We were talking about our relationship, our history, our both our friendships with Daryl Hamilton. But when I introduced TJ Quinn, he said this about his health. Uh, well, I actually I took I took two weeks because uh, I I was not tested, but I got something. So I had this thing really. Uh, I mean, for all purposes, it, it seems pretty sure that it was covid um my doctor is convinced it was and it just kicked my ass for two weeks um so my my bosses were great said you know what take your time um and they were great about it so that was april of 2020 when tj was on that's episode 244 if you go to the itunes feed you can listen to that uh it's a great conversation about our history and how we know each other and our mutual friends and when i talk about mutual friends like probably the genesis of this podcast but what i found out later on because you know we keep in touch through social media these days that's what happens with friends and i i don't want to be stereotypical but that's how guys keep in touch i, I don't need to call my guy friends everyone I check in how you doing I, I don't do that but i see him on facebook and twitter and all those things and i know his work so i left it alone and i was talking when we recorded i can give you the number episode 315 of this podcast no prince song for that uh but episode 315 was bob lee and bob mentioned that he had been talking to tj quinn and that tj was still dealing with the effects of covid some 15 16 17 months later and that fascinated me so we're pleased to welcome back to the podcast Longtime ESPN reporter, longtime friend, the great TJ Quinn. And TJ, first of all, how are you? And my goodness, since the last time we've been on, have you left that room? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I got to go to the kitchen. I got <laughs> kitchen, Welcome bathroom, back. back porch. Thanks. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny because you get that question all the time. How are you? Right. And the, the answer is usually there's something going on, but you also don't want to say that to people every time, because then you sound like a, right. a whiner. And, you know, I mean, I've got certain friends who call and say, how are you? And I'll say, I'm good. And then I'll say, how are you? And I know, okay, mm -hmm. they're asking, but the reality is, yeah, 18 months after I got it, still pretty fatigued a lot of time, still headaches, almost every day um still uh, the brain fog um you know where it just feels like everything's slower it's like thinking yeah. underwater you, you know that um words that you know you can't quite grasp um you forget things it's i, I am way better than i was um you know you say way better it's it, we're recording this podcast at the end of september 2021 uh right how long after we did the first podcast were you still feeling really that bad? 
when we did it, I mean, it was just a few weeks after having it. And then, and then, you know, like that clip shows, I, I wasn't even sure at the time if I had, in fact, I had real doubts yeah. even then, maybe I'm just being lazy. And I finally got an antibodies test in May. And I, I wrote about this experience. It was really something I, I, I don't know that you always get how much you internalize something like wondering if you've lost your mind. And right. at that point, you know, in May, two months after I'd been sick, I really started to convince myself, this is in your head, you're, you're lazy, you're, you're nuts, whatever. You're and atrophying from being inside. Did you think? Yeah, that, that too. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm a pretty active, I uh, was a, a, a really active guy and, you know, a runner and a, a cyclist and a hike. And I just like to move. And I'm someone who likes to have a lot of projects and a lot of things going on. And you and I have had conversations where we go all over the place and, yeah. you know, <laughs> have a lot of interests. And then all of a sudden it's just, you just don't care about anything. And hmm. um, so when I, I, I took my, my sons to get a uh, uh, to get us all antibodies tests, and even as the nurse is drawing the blood from me, I'm like, I am about to be exposed as a fraud. Everyone's going to figure out I didn't actually have it. Mm -hmm. It was all in my head. And then when she called a few or somebody called a few days later with the results, um, first she said, I, I'm, "I'm calling with results from Michael Quinn, my youngest." And I said, "Well, I'm his, his father," and my heart started beating. Um, I really could feel it. And she said, okay. I said, and you should have two other Quinns as well. And she said, oh yeah, I do. And then she went through Michael Quinn negative, Liam Quinn negative. And then negative so I'm for next. the antibodies. Negative so they for the never, antibodies. So they never had COVID. They shared a house with you. They did. Uh, my mother was here for a month. Um, she got stuck. We couldn't send her back to my uh, elderly stepfather. Um, right. Nobody else got sick. And but when she was getting to my name, my heart was beating so hard I could see my shirt moving because um, I, I thought, this is it. I'm about to find out. I was completely full of it. And she said, Thomas Quinn is positive. And I don't know that I've ever felt relief like that in my life. But uh, positive. Yeah. So positive for the antibodies. How much are there levels of how much antibodies you had? Like, did you have the most? No, they 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 won't tell you. They they had told people early on that they stopped telling people because the number doesn't actually indicate anything. Okay. Um, because I had seen this, we'd gone through. I was comparing myself to a really close friend of mine, um, who's uh, my age, I think a year younger. Um, he's a Broadway production, just Tony nominated Broadway production designer, which I love saying because I think that's the coolest that's really thing in the cool world. Title, and, right? Yeah, isn't it? And yeah. um. And put that on your Twitter on, bio, right? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so that's too busy for Twitter. Um, he uh, he was on a ventilator for 35 days, and they thought he wasn't going to make it. His wife had tested positive, his kids had tested positive, and so we were learning everything through them. And I I felt at the time like I wasn't that sick, you know. I mean, I had a few crappy weeks, but Ed almost died. I mean, the doctor was telling his wife, he's not getting better. We need to talk about worst case scenarios. And then he got this experimental treatment, first person in the country to get FDA approval for it. And he wow. survived. So I'm like, what am I bitching about? And I went um, and it wasn't until June that all of a sudden I'm like, there is something really off. It's I, I don't get this. I would go for a, I'd try to run and I'd feel okay. 
And then the next day, like 36 hours later, my lungs would hurt. Not just that, it was I'd feel this ache through my lungs and my trachea and thought this is bizarre and be in bed for two days. And there was no one talked about long haul, nobody, you know, and I finally went to a pulmonologist who said, yeah, we're seeing a lot of this. Um, but here's the good news. I'm going to put you on a steroid inhaler and you're going to, and, and you'll get better. I promise. And then seven weeks later, I'm not better. And he's, and he says, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and, he really like, like a doctor, a, a respected doctor literally says to you, I, I, I'm stumped. An excellent one. Yeah. That's and crazy. That, that's it. Oh my God. Well, it was, I mean, that was just, and, and he was, and plus I was, I was starting to get these migraines that were just unbelievable i mean just you know my eyes would cross and debilitating you know yeah i mean i literally seen double because my eyes were crossed which i'd never experienced before and you go to the pulmonologist you go to the neurologist they do every chest x-ray x-ray head mri and they'd say medically you're fine but we are seeing a lot of this and it wasn't until i think i think november we were with friends and uh, this oh friend's daughter works in the medical field and she said, you sound like a long hauler. And I hadn't even heard the, the term at that point. Yeah. I mean, it was nuts. And then you find out that a third of people who got COVID developed long haul. And I, I didn't, it didn't make sense. I mean, it, it turns out, or at least one of the theories, and here's the caveat with anything about long haul, nobody knows. I spoke to the top experts in the country and when it comes down to it, they suspect that what happens is when you get the virus, your body's immune system goes crazy fighting it. It switches into a fight or flight mode and it can't calm down. And so it's, you, you become like people with any number of chronic diseases like chronic fatigue syndrome, um, fibromyalgia, POTS, um, you know, a number of immune related disorders where the body, your, your own body is at war with you all the time. And like people who have those, you become convinced it's in your head. And, you know, even after I was told this is, this is what you've got. Um, yeah, you, you just start to think you're nuts and you doubt everything about yourself. That's one of the more debilitating things about it. And everyone I talked to said the same thing. You just, you, you question just fundamentally, who am I now? What, what, what is my life? Much more to come with TJ Quinn right here on Sports with Friends. But first, as we do each and every week during the football season and beyond, we talk to the head odds maker at BovadaSportsBook.com, Patrick Morrow, about this week's games. Uh, let's take a quick look at the college ranks first, and then we'll talk about uh, everything that's going on in the pros. And we'll start with the top-ranked team, Alabama, uh, Nick Saban was brilliant with Peyton and Eli Manning on Monday Night Football, and now he's got a, a big test, uh, Ole Miss, and that's a, it's an SEC game, but it's also a game that's not a gimme. Yeah, I, I think during the Madden cast last night, Seth, uh, uh, you could actually see cracks form on Saban's face when he was talking to Eli and Peyton. Uh, you know, smiles are pretty rare from uh, Nick Saban, actual laughter from Nick Saban. Uh, so, I mean, that shows how good those guys are at what they're doing, if they can actually get him to uh, relax a little bit. But looking at this matchup, Seth, uh, Alabama is currently a 14 and a half point favorite at Bavada over Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. 
really great matchup. Uh, Alabama already challenged once uh, a couple weeks ago against Florida in Gainesville, barely pulling out that 31 to 29 win. Ole Miss, no challenges yet at all this year. They're winning games by about roughly 40 points uh, each. This will be their toughest matchup. Again, this game opened actually with Alabama closer to a 20 point favorite and has been bet down all the way to only a 14 and a half point favorite now. So as you would expect, uh, a lot of Ole Miss money so far, about 75% of all bets on this game, Seth, are on the Ole Miss Rebels and Lane Kiffin. Uh, pretty surprising. Alabama is a team that I'd say 80% of the time we have a position on them. So the fact that we are rooting for the number one team in college football to win this game and cover that spread is a pretty rare scenario for us at Bavada, but a welcome one. I think Alabama is well suited for this matchup. The other interesting matchup inclu includes the number two seed uh, right now in the coaches poll, and that's Georgia. They are playing host to Arkansas. Size up that one. Yeah, Georgia is, uh, they're currently an 18-point favorite over Arkansas. Arkansas came into this season, Seth, with not a lot of uh, high expectations for this team, no real idea. You know, they, they improved last year, and they're certainly improving this year, but they weren't expected to be uh, a team that was going to be making any meaningful inroads this year. But, uh, you know, they've got impressive wins over Texas, uh, a much more impressive win over Texas A&M last weekend, winning 20-10. to 10. They are 4-0. They are technically tied for first in the SEC West for now. But uh, a lot of teams and the SEC are known for having early season success before they run into a buzzsaw like Alabama, or in this case, Georgia, who are actually the co-favorites with Alabama uh, to win the national championship right now, coming off that uh, impressive win against Clemson. So, uh, you know, again, Arkansas, feel good story for this year. Great for that program that they're doing as well as they are. But again, 18 point underdogs. Uh, and once again, uh, a situation for us at Bavada where we are cheering for the favorite to win this and cover the spread as about 65% of all money set is on Arkansas in this one. Intriguing matchups in the college ranks. Then you get to week four in the NFL and boy, boy. Let's go. Let's just do it. Uh, <laughs> let's start it off with the Dallas Cowboys, who impressed everybody as much as Eli and Peyton Manning did. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys taking on the unbeaten Carolina Panthers. Yeah, what a compelling matchup. Uh, Carolina Panthers 3-0 right now. Uh, the tops of the NFC South Division, uh, a really tough division with uh, the Saints and uh, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, of course. Uh, Sam Darnold, uh, a bit of a revival uh, so far. He's looked really good both passing and uh, running the ball. Uh, we saw against the Texans last week, he was able to rush for two touchdowns. Uh, you know, it, it, a team like Carolina has been missing, you know, a really quality uh, pocket passer for the last few years, while their defense has been really strong. And it seems like this is a year where they can really pull this together. They opened the season 100 to 1 at Bavada to win the Super Bowl, down to 45 to 1. They were 12 to one to win the division. Now down to six to one. Like we said, the Bucks and Saints are still right there, uh, and and the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. I mean, the NFC East seems very much like a week to week. This is the best team. This is the worst team. I uh, I don't have no idea still who's going to rise to the top there. But Dallas, for this moment, looks like the best team in that division. A super compelling matchup. The Cowboys are five point favorites at home at Bavada, and the action's pretty split so far. One of the higher over-unders of the week, though, uh, as the Carolina Panthers and Cowboys are posted at a current 50 and a half on the over-under. Then you have the Los Angeles Rams in that gorgeous stadium where the site of the Super Bowl, and they talk about it literally in between every play. Uh, <laughs> they're taking on the equally unbeaten Arizona Cardinals. Now, 
The Cardinals, a lot of people on the surface would say going into L.A., the Cardinals would be a significant underdog, but not so much, right? Well, I, I, I mean, I suppose it's how you define significant. It, it's kind of right in the middle. The Rams are currently five and a half point favorites at Bavada Seth, and I, I think that's about right. I, I, you have to give the nod to the Rams in terms of head coaching. You have to give the nod to the Rams in terms of defense. And for the first time in the last five, six years, the, the Rams have a quarterback set. Matthew Stafford has been a revelation since he joined the Rams. All of a sudden, this is a team that doesn't have to rely on checkdowns and the running game to make things happen. He can go deep, he can go deep often. And this uh, LA Rams offense is versatile. This, however, is expected to very much be a shootout. The over-under is sitting at 54 and a half. Most of the money so far on the cards and on the over in this one, players are expecting points. Then the game that is going to set ratings <laughs> records, Tom Brady back in New England to take on the Patriots. The columns are hysterical because if you read the Boston papers, they're like, Tom Brady wants to put up 50 on, <laughs> on the Patriots. Um, it's so funny how Tom Brady's legacy has changed. If you remember the beginning of Tom Brady's career, there was controversy. He was reviled. He cheated twice. Um, even though a lot of people think he had nothing to do with Spygate, but I'm saying he was in cahoots on the whole mm -hmm. thing. Deflate Gates definitely on him. But now it's he's the ageless wonder. And it's a fascinating thing because the fact that he's even competing at 44 and the fact that he's doing it on this level and then goes back to the team that said, you know what? We have to move on and we can't keep hanging on to Tom Brady. Tom Brady has something to prove. This is his battle. It's nobody else's. And my goodness, is it compelling. Yeah. I, you know what? I think uh, as much as social media is often terrible, Seth, I think social media has done a really good job of, I don't want to say rehabilitating, but maybe normalizing someone like Tom Brady, who was kind of seen as, you know, boring, standoffish. And that really was the Patriot way to an extent. Uh, you know, Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft has want, have always wanted their players to be boring, to be players that say as little as possible. And then Tom Brady got on Twitter and it turns out he's got a, he's got a bit of a sense of humor. He's kind of a yeah, funny, humor, he's yeah. kind of a funny guy. And I think that made him, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more uh, easier to cheer for. I, I don't know. The, the Spygate stuff is, I get it. It's it's tough. I, I, I do think in the NFL or in sports in general, to an extent, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Uh, that doesn't excuse it entirely. But uh, at the end of the day, he's still got all those rings and nobody can take him away from them. Uh, looking at this game, though, Seth, uh, yeah, we're, we're expecting this game to not just do ratings numbers, but, uh, you know, massive betting numbers with us at Bavada. And the early returns certainly reinforce that. The Bucks, uh, as of this moment, are seven-point road favorites at the Pats, and they are getting about 85% of the money. And I've got, I've got to say, Seth, that this early in the week, I haven't seen a position this big for a Sunday night game. So I would not be surprised if I kick up on Sunday night if we're not breaking handle records at Bavada for Bucks and Patriots. And for players looking for bonus content, the in-game specials are going to be nuts for this game. Check closer for all the various prop bets for Gronk and Brady, some historical matchups as well. It's going to be nuts. I, I would imagine that by kickoff on Sunday, there will be close to 500 different ways to bet this game. So uh, we're going to be going overload with it because, yeah, it, it is a pretty cool experience when you can mix uh, sports and a narrative like this. Brady's coming home. I don't think it's going to be... 
you know, the Boston, uh, you know, the Boston media angle, Brady wants to put up, I think Brady still just wants to win games. I think he has fun doing that. If he can put up lots of points, sure. But I, I don't think he's going there with any other motive aside from just coming out with a W. No, he wants to crush. He wants to annihilate oh. the Patriots. Oh, oh okay. My he just wants to win. Yeah, right. Oh, Patrick, Patrick, Patrick. That is the great Patrick Morrow from Bavada. You got all the games. All right. Let's go back to this very, very important podcast with my friend, TJ Quinn from ESPN. You you told me I could ask you anything. Anything. Are you worried this will never go away? Yeah. Um, I have, I mean. How old are you? Like how old are you for our audience? I know you're a little older than me, but how old are you? 52. Uh, 52. And. I had started, I, I, I was getting really optimistic. A um, couple months ago, I did a six day prednisone course and um, just kind of like, what the hell, let's just try it and see if that calms down the immune system. And I finished that. And all of a sudden I started running again and I'm like, I'm going to get there. And then a couple of weeks went by and all of a sudden the energy drops again. I don't know what it was. And, but suddenly it was harder to run and the headaches started to get bad and I'd get worn out. And I didn't know if it was just, was I working too hard? Was I pushing too much? Um, I really try not to think that way. Um, I, I've, you know, I, I think I discussed this with you. Well, I mean, you know this, but I've, you know, I've been uh, sober for a very long time and coming up on 30 years actually. And um, I never, ever, appreciated the value of one day at a time the way I have through this sure. you know I mean it was it was really very similar in the mentality if you think about it completely it saved me I mean because if you sit and think about long term oh my god you know what if this is it forever first I mean for like you, you try to have some perspective I'm able to function I'm able to do my job for the most part it's a lot harder and mm -hmm. my life is diminished but it's not you know ruined I'm not you know, incapacitated. I'm just not what I was. It's like I aged 20 years. And that really is what I'm it sure sounds like. It sounds like you just you aged a lot. It does. Yeah. And I'm sure there are 72 year olds listening, thinking, hey, that's not so bad. Which, you, you know, what are you, no. what are you complaining about? No, but, but it's like you, you, you don't want to feel like you're 72 because then when no. you're 72, you're going to feel like you're 92, you know? Right. Especially when, you know, you worked hard to feel 32. And that's one of the paradoxes of this is that they, there's a theory that a lot of long haulers were people who were, were very fit. He had such a strong immune system that the body had this overwhelming response that it can't retract or reset. And yeah, I, I look, most days I'm pretty good about, I get up, how do I feel today? What can I do today? That's the one day at a time thing. And then I do what I can at the end of the day. That's it. I'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. And then you have moments where you think this sucks. And, oh, you know, it was a pass. I, I, like the other day I was walking and uh, somebody passed me who was running and I thought, wow, it's not just that I miss running. It's that I miss wanting to run. You miss the passions. Right. You know, I was, I, I got caught both nights of uh, Jason Isbold playing in the city Friday mm. and Saturday. And, I, you know, like great, great shows. I physically didn't react to the music the way I have for the previous, you know, wow. however many shows of his and, you know, anybody. And you just know something's missing. And yeah. 
it's, you know, that, yeah, it can get you. And maybe, I don't know if it's permanent. I, I just, I, 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 I have those moments where, yes, I'm, I'm, I think this would kind of suck if it's always like this, but I pull myself back and my, and just focus on what do I have right now? What can I do right now? You brought it up. Um, did any medical person tell you that your alcoholism compromised your immune system? No, no, it, it was too nothing, long ago. So it had, had nothing to do with that? No, in fact, that, that's a problem is that my immune system was too good. Oh. Um, <laughs> you know, it was... Um, right, well, no, not, not necessarily, because if your immune system wasn't too good, yeah, you wouldn't be dealing with this, but you might not be here. That's another fact, yeah. Um, no, it's, I'm actually, that was when I'm, I'm excellent. Uh, I, I was in excellent physical health. In fact, yeah. other, other than, you know, the, the brain fog and the fatigue, I'm in, I'm in pretty good health right now. I mean, that was one of the shocks of this whole thing and just how crazy this syndrome is. Um, even before I was, I was in, in good shape, I became a really serious runner about 15 years ago. Um, always had good cholesterol, always had good blood pressure. And now all of a sudden, less than a year into it, my numbers were through the roof. And yeah. I suddenly developed a minor cardiac issue and my cholesterol and you weren't you know, eating uh, differently you weren't doing anything differently well i wasn't working out but right. the doctors that i spoke to said deconditioning does not account for what we're seeing it's just one of those crazy crazy things yeah. so i had to radically change my diet um as a result of it and i got the numbers back down but i developed um a heart issue that it, 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 as i keep saying if, you, if you're going to get one this is the one to get believe me it's completely manageable um the cardiologist I saw could not rule out that it was there before, but nobody had ever heard this murmur, and she did. And it turns out that the um, aortic wow. valve was somewhat dilated, and blood was flowing back in. And in itself, it's nothing, but it just means that I have to keep my blood pressure under strict control the rest of my life because if it expands more, sure. then you can have you know you might need surgery, you might need something serious. But it's just one other kind of little kick in the ass that. You know, you, you spend all these years really taking care of yourself and the body just goes nuts. And these doctors I spoke to said, doesn't matter how bad a shape you're in, doesn't matter how much you're eating, it doesn't account for what's happening in the body. And they still don't understand why people react this way, but they do. This next question is for, I think, I think I need to ask it because we need to discuss it. Um, when were you not contagious? Do you That's get tested question. regularly? Do you, like, um, you mentioned you went to a concert, so I'm not judging you. I'm not saying, but <laughs> you, you've had COVID for a year and a half, but you had well, no, I've had, it, it's a separate syndrome. I mean, it really is. I mean, I was, cause I also had, I, I had a negative around the time I got the antibodies test. I did finally have a test and I was negative for the virus. So at that point, um, so you had could, kicked the virus and now it was just the, the, what the virus had done to your system. Right. So one of the theories they had about uh, long haul early on is that it was still the virus, but it was just in such small right. amounts. That's what, that, I had, that's what I had thought. Right. And so that was a theory. Um, but what they've come to believe is that it's simply that the immune system is turned on in a way that it can't calm down. And so any little, I mean, it's, it's like a twilight zone kind of disease. So any issue that you had before, now it's worse. If you had mild reflux, and I remember discussing this specifically with my doctor, even if it's under treatment, 
now you've got reflux, you know, much more intensely. If you had migraines before, they're going to be worse. Um, these weird things, like I'd, I'd get a skin rash out of nowhere that would be there for a day and then it was gone. I'd get cold symptoms for a day that would just kill me and then it's gone. I and mean, these weird things that just pop up and disappear. And it's the theory is it's just your immune system. Um, just attack it, the, the immune system thinks it's still fighting the virus. And so it's fighting everything in your body. This is uh, wild. Um, okay. So you don't have COVID um, before right. the vaccine, because we have to enter that into the conversation. Um, were you getting tested regularly? Were you staying home extra because your immune system's compromised? How are you handling those months now where you've beaten the virus, you're not 100%, but you're functioning. So how much were you functioning? Because we were always saying, you know, if, if my wife's immunocompromised, again, before vaccine, it was order Instacart, don't go to a grocery store. It was, you know, it was take it easy. Don't let your kids go anywhere. What was your strategy? And how were you playing that? Were you getting tested? Were you wearing masks? All, all that stuff? Yeah, no, I was, I, I felt, I, I, I knew that I'd had it and that I had antibodies. So I knew I had protection against the disease, um, not as good as having the vaccine. And, um, and one of the theories now is that if you had the disease and you're vaccinated, you may have lifelong immunity. Um, again, it's a theory, you know, they're, they're not positive. You can't that. prove that, but they're saying it, it's not going to get, it can only be worse. It can't get better than that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, what, what I felt for a while was before anybody was vaccinated that I had a, a, a freedom to do more things because I had some protection. So mm. when I had, like, I, I've got a, one of my sisters, um, has, a, a, an immune compromising disease, uh, immunocompromising disease. And so she really had to stay in the house and I had to go deal with anything with my mom or my, my stepfather, I was the one to go do it yeah. because we knew at least I had some protection. It was very unlikely that I would spread it. I was still careful with masks because, you know, we all needed to. And, um, you know, um, and, and you just wanted to be sure, but so I was actually in that sense, more active than I, than I might've wanted to be. Because I'm, I'm like, okay, you got the shield. You know, there are things that it's safer for you to do than other people. But if I wasn't, if I didn't have a reason to be out, it was just, you were just so tired all the time. Tired, and and yeah. that, that was, you know, that was what kind of got you was, you know, evening would come and you just shut down completely. And I'd, I'd be in the middle of dinner like every night. And all of a sudden it's like, I just can't be here anymore. And, you know, my, my family learned to just sort of, ignore it because they knew I didn't want the attention and, but you'd be in this room full of people. And I, I liken the whole thing. It's like, I get to a part of the day where it's like a fuse would trip. And once the fuse tripped for me, I was done. And if it's, if I'm in a room with more than two people talking at the same time, nothing is getting it. I mean, I, 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 I'd watch TV. I'd have to, I mean, and I'm not talking about, you know, Shakespeare translated into Russian with subtitles. I'm talking about good old dumb American TV. I'd have to hit pause to catch up with the dialogue. Wow. I just couldn't absorb it. So it was 
please tell me you were watching good things though. Like not don't watch Survivor, like Ozark, Mandalorian. Give me something uh, good. Did watch Ozark. Um, I did not have the Disney bundle um, at the time, which which is um, which is ironic uh, considering where as you a were. Disney employee, I, I should have. <laughs> damn it, I should have been free. But um, I uh, I think it was good stuff, but I couldn't remember. That was it. Like there was something I was watching. I'm like four episodes in. I realized I've already seen this whole thing, and oh my God. that was part of memory. I mean, again, I'm not nearly that bad now, but there was a while there where it was. I couldn't remember, you know, anything. I couldn't remember conversations, couldn't remember meeting people. When the vaccine rollout started, it was all who could get in line first. Did your doctors say, get it right away? Were you like, I don't need it right away. Let other people get it first. There was, I remember talking to people. I remember talking to a guy uh, and I want to use his name, but he's a mutual friend of ours. And he was, he's easily 65. And I said, oh, are you going to get the vaccine? And he said, I will, but I'm just I don't need it yet. Let other people get it first. And I was very impressed with that because he's 65, you know, and I was just curious, like, did you race to get it? How how was the vaccine rollout for you? I actually held off as long as I could because I felt like because I'd had it, I have protection that other people don't. Right. And and so I and waited then you got until, it once it became like now it's available in every grocery store. And every more or less. Like, I mean, I, I finally got it. When did I get it? I guess I've got the first shot in I think it was April and the second in May. Um, and it was so a year um, after you had it. A year, yeah. Yeah. A year after I had it. And, you know, but so I mean, it wasn't like I waited forever to get it. And it was finally, you know, I, I was being treated starting in February. I was. Here, here's one of the issues, especially somebody is a long hauler thinks that they might be. Most doctors don't understand it. Um, well, let me, let me rephrase this. Doctors who've studied it don't completely understand what's happening yet. Right. Other doctors really, in my experience, just don't get it. They focus on what's in front of them. If you're a general practitioner, then you, you deal with your normal practice. If you're a specialist, you deal with your specialty but they don't put together the larger issues of COVID. So I heard that Mount Sinai in the city was, had started a long, long haul clinic. Um, I made an appointment. It took me five months to get it. When I called, they said, okay, we can get you five months from now in February. And I said, is it worth calling back to see if something opens? And the woman said, you can try, but nobody's canceling, which was telling me, oh, great. It means people are getting it. And five months later, they, they're still sick. And they put you through this whole, you know, you see all these different doctors. It's the, the point of, <clears throat> excuse me, the clinic is as much to study you as to treat you. That This is where, <clears throat> sorry, they're getting all their knowledge. And a bunch of, there are a bunch of these clinics around the country now. So if you're listening and you think you've got it, I strongly urge you to find some hospital or, or practice that is dealing specifically with post-COVID because um, they're the ones putting it together. And even within that practice, they didn't always agree. I had doctors making snide remarks about other doctors in the practice and questioning about work. But it was finally the, the cardiologist there who said, let's get you vaccinated and, and signed up through us. And um, so I did it. I was eager to get it because um, they were, at the time, it was just anecdotal. In fact, I went to my cardiologist and said, I'm, I'm hearing these stories about people getting the vaccine and suddenly getting better from long haul. And she said, that doesn't make sense. I haven't heard that. She called me a week later and said, 
after you should said after you mentioned that I've had 10 patients tell me they were suddenly they got the vaccine and really? they suddenly got better. And so I got the vaccine, didn't feel anything the first time. And then the second shot, sickest I've ever been in my life, worse than when I had COVID. I just, two days where I just thought this is, I just, I don't mean to be glib, but I just thought, I just want to die. This is awful. And then I didn't get better. I was actually a little worse, which happens with about a third of people, apparently. So that was, that was pretty crushing. Well, I well, obviously, I'm a, a, You're like hitting a, all the I'm odds. Not good with the odds, yeah, but yeah. the wrong direction. I mean, that's you know, I'm I'm the guy who, you know, you, you can give them the numbers, and I still won't get it. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just kind of rotten luck. But then the prednisone, you know, treatment seemed to help, and it's anyway, it's it's all so experimental, and it's it's um, it, it, it makes you, you. You spend time thinking about your relationship with science. Um, you know, there are all these people out there. We've we've seen the anti-vaxxers. We've seen people with these, you know, insanely strong anti-science thoughts because science doesn't know everything. And um, and I think of the Irish comedian Dara O'Brien who says, "Yes, but science knows that. Otherwise, it would stop." Right. And so you just have to put some faith into it's a process, and you're part of it. And you know, nobody knows, but they're trying to figure it out and they're all just doing the best that they can. And, and that in itself is unnerving because, you know, when, when you go to the doctor, you don't want to hear what well, we're working on it. Yeah. You I know? mean, that was, that was what was upsetting was doctors who said, I promise you'll get better. You can't you promise can't. that. Yeah. You don't know that. And you believe them because you want to believe them. And, right. you know, I know it was a good faith gesture on, you know, on, on their part, but it's, you know, just be honest that we don't know what's going on. No, I, I just, I really, you know, I don't, this isn't about me, but I really like my internist. And a lot of times people don't realize how valuable that is. Just, I really <laughs> like her. I, I just think the world of this woman, I think she's incredibly smart. And if I have an issue, I have no qualms about going to them. And I think there's value in that. I would like to think that your frustration is with your symptoms and and what you're dealing with, not with the people who are trying to care for you. No, I was. I mean, I did have frustration with my own physician. He had it. He was. He had COVID. He had COVID. His wife, who's our pediatrician, also had it. Um, she was really sick. He was kind of sick. Um, but and, and look, I love the guy. I've been going to him for a long time. We usually spend two minutes talking about medicine, medicine, and then twenty minutes talking about the Mets. And um, well, that's an illness in its own. Yeah. It, oh, it, it, which is curable. But once again, people don't want the cure. They, they, it's it's the same same psychos is over <laughs> sociological phenomenon. I know you could do something about it, but we oh, choose not God. to. And. <laughs> But his attitude through all this has been, nah, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. you know, like, that's not what I'm looking for, man. It's, no. you know, but like the, the doctors I've met at Sinai, um, which, you know, the hospital where I was born. So I had a soft spot for it anyway. And right. um, they, um, you know, it's, you just, it, it, it's great. The one, the one, you kind of feel like you're in it together. They want to hear from you what you're hearing. And, and, yeah, you know, yeah. that's, you know, like I just did another 10 day course of steroids that I don't know if it worked or set me back or what, but you know, the, 
those doctors are great. Tell me how you're feeling. Get back to me in two weeks. Let's see what you got. Let's, you know, it's um, people looking for easy answers these days are not going to find it. I mean, think about, I, I keep thinking about what we were, I, I used to cover this as a topic in, in college about, you know, HIV AIDS, what we were learning about it 10 years after the yeah, fact. Yeah. And that was a much smaller population, you know, and, and unfortunately one that was, you know, politically didn't have a ton of support and wasn't getting the resources that that right. COVID is now. It, it is going to take a while. So that's where I kind of, yeah, I don't get frustrated with them. I get frustrated with the situation. I do get frustrated with people who want to just flat out deny the science. And, and well, we'll get to that. We'll get to them. I do yeah. on a lighter note, though, I do want to say that of anybody to walk in to a doctor's office where you are being prescribed steroids, you know more about <laughs> steroids than them, having covered Balco and Bonds and Sammy and McGuire. You you are at the forefront of that. So for you to have a conversation, I would be intimidated if I'm the medical professional and TJ Quinn walks into my office and I'm like, I'm going to tell you what prednisone is going to do. And you're like, dude, I wrote about that for ESPN.com years ago. Come on. What are you talking about? Um, I appreciate that. Uh, they were not intimidated, which is no. good. Um, they uh, it is funny because you ask, I, I have had this question a number of times because I'll start to ask which drug and which way you know, we get into doses and, and all this. And, and, and I've been asked many times the same question, are you in the medical field? And I say, no, I'm a sports writer. <laughs> and then writer. some of them, <laughs> and some of them crack up and get it. Um, you know, I say, no, I write a lot about this stuff. I yeah, have way too much. About drugs. Right. They see what it, you, what you've done. Um, yeah. It's kind okay. of funny. The rest of this and the, the, the main point of having you on is I, I just wanted people to hear that story. Uh, I've heard dribs and drabs. You told me stuff on the phone. Bob said to me he didn't understand why I hadn't had you on again. And I was just like, you're right. <laughs> well, I was pretty low key. about. I mean, it's funny. I was Bob. Knew, Bob was unbelievable. Bob checked in on me more than anybody I know. And oh, it was, guy. you know, he, I mean, he's look, he was a great friend all the years we worked together and, you know, since he retired, which I'm still pissed off about, um, you know, he was like, you know, when he knew I was sick, he was checking in on me all the time. So he was, I mean, like at least weekly. And then when it was clear something was going on with the long haul, it, there is not, oh my God, there is no okay. news, news service as thorough as Bob Lee. I mean, he was everything anybody published. He got it to me before anyone else. I mean, he was unreal. And, We've been out a bunch of times since then, and um, no, he's he's been incredible. But but I really I wasn't telling that many people, and it was funny, like you know, because I wrote this article that ran the Friday Labor Day weekend, and it got really good response. Mm -hmm. And all these good friends of mine are saying, "I didn't know, I didn't know," and right. I'd say, "Yeah, I'd say, look, I I wasn't advertising it. I, I, if people asked me a direct question, I'd answer it honestly. But I felt like nobody wants to hear this." until I wrote 6,000 words for a national publication. Right. <laughs> and then, okay, now it's out there. Yeah, it was By the uh, way, definitely Bob, out and there. Bob and I the highly one. recommend uh, for our audience, I highly recommend episode 315. TJ, you would love it. Um, a very enlightening conversation with Bob Lee about 
uh, his time at ESPN, but also what his views on the media and sports media are now. And it, it really is a fascinating conversation that uh, he will definitely be back on, on the podcast. What were you going to say? Oh, just, no, Bob was, was a huge reason why I ended up writing the piece. Um, really? Because I really, when it was, it was pitched to me by, by my editor, Laura Pertel, who was just amazing. And mm. she thought it might be good if I wrote about someone who had it and then told my old my own story with it as a way to sort of augment that and my initial reaction was no one gives a crap about a 52 year old sports writer and you know You're it was yourself. no the i really and, after you wrote it the social media alone was why was pretty unbelievable and bob was the one who said to me uh and i talked through it with him and he said i've sent you tons of first person pieces have you gotten any value from them and I said, tremendous value, because I was able to identify. And he said, there right. you go. And, and he was right. And she was right. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to them. No, that, 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 that's wonderful. OK, but we're going to end on a wacky note. Um, <laughs> rather than ask about the anti-vaxxers, because that's in the news a lot. Uh, Kirk Cousins of the Vikings and um Kyrie Irving just recently uh you know Bradley Beal and and these players that are just refusal um I thought Gary Washburn had a great column in the Boston Globe um as an African-American writing saying all right I understood your resistance at first you've seen enough evidence that the vaccine works it's not a scam it's not trying to trick you get the goddamn vaccine and I thought Gary Washburn can say that more than you or I can the idea that sports is being still impacted. You know, Chris Sale comes off the COVID list and says in his press conference, he's not vaccinated. Like, it just seems like every day you turn on, you know, sports center for, for you know, for lack of a better phrase, or just do your sports reports. Um, there's always something about COVID. What's your thought on COVID now and the sports world? Oh man, it's, um, I'm, I'm, I gotta, uh, I'm trying to walk I, I wanted to ask here. that before uh, I go to should all these stadiums be as open as they are? Because literally at the NFL, they're not even saying you need a, a negative test. Just go. And right. as someone with an unvaccinated daughter, because she's 10 years old, I, I'm not going to anything. I, I'm not I, I'm not going to I'm not sitting in the stands with people. At, I don't know, because I can still catch it and I can give it to my little one. Right. Look, I'm mindful of my role as a reporter, not a commentator. I, I, I don't write opinion. I'm not an analyst. I'm not an expert. Um, but that said, um, there are certain things that I don't know why we tiptoe around as an industry. And one is how we write about science. And you've seen, you saw failures. Um, and I, I don't like using the phrase mainstream media because I think that's inherently political to say it that way but you know in in traditional publications where people dance around the issue of, of climate change for example the science was settled a long time ago and politically we've become afraid to say things the point of journalism is that you know is it's a, i think it's a more british expression if someone says it's raining and someone tells me it isn't my job isn't to report both comments it's to open the freaking window and look right and we've opened the window and looked and vaccines are incredibly effective and 
there are certain realities about public health where there are steps you have to take in order to make the public healthy. And at this point, th there really is no debate anymore. And it's whether or not the people who run sports leagues and venues um, and others have the political will to enforce best practices that we know that are decided. I mean, we don't know the answers to everything. No, but we know this. Right. So it's not my job to advocate for policy, but it's my but job not, to say, right. right, this is what the policy is. This is how you keep a population safe. I'm not asking you, um, you know, should Kyrie Irving get vaccinated? I think that <laughs> if you're listening, if you're still listening to this podcast, you know the answer to that. What I'm wondering is, What's going to happen? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said that Kyrie Irving should be kicked off the nets. We know the big business that's surrounded by sports. That's not happening. Kirk Cousins wasn't getting kicked off the Vikings. The best, the two best lines that I heard about all this is Ron Rivera, the coach of Washington, who said flat out, you know, as someone who's immunocompromised because of his cancer treatment, he said, I hate going in the locker room and not thinking about the game first. I'm constantly thinking about how risky it is for me to come close to you people. And I'm begging you to get the vaccine. That was the first one that I was impressed with. And Jerry Jones, who says a lot of nonsense, but Jerry Jones uh, said, I know about everybody's you know, individual rights, but I thought sports was about a team and the word we. And by not getting vaccinated, you're compromising our team. Forget your own individuality, Friedman, uh, freedom. What you're doing is you're compromising team. Where are we now with, you know, the Chris Sales, the, the Kyrie Irvings, the, the Kirk Cousins? Where are we in this sport with dealing with this and this vaccine debate? We're kind of frozen. I mean, I saw, you know, look, look start with um, start with the, the, the players unions. Um, where they do have to represent their rank and file and part of their rank and file is anti-vax and people have equated this idea of medical freedom with freedom from consequences. And either, look, no, no one is saying that the government should grab Kyrie Irving, hold him down and vaccinate him against his will. But if you want to exercise that particular freedom to say no, what are the consequences for that? and who's gonna enforce it. And so in New York, the debate has been, these are state laws um, that are governing these venues. And it's not up to the team. The team, you know, a number of the leagues and teams have, have said, we will mandate it for our non-union employees. Um, what's the role of union leadership in these cases? Um, is it to lead or is it to, uh, is it to represent? Um, which is true. I, I'm, you know, I don't want to take a political position here either, but I've been a member of a couple of unions and, you know, was a good dues paying member and yep. both the, uh, the newspaper guild and the uh, iron workers. Um, yep. So I'm in SAG after. I, I, I I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not dumping on unions, but, you know, where's the leadership? Who, who's going to either you just wait for this whole thing to go away, which makes it you know, drag on longer or somebody says, we're gonna enforce this. And if you're gonna opt out, well, then you're also opting out of your ability to make a living. Disney has now mandated that we all get vaccinated. I just uploaded my, my card yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how many employers are willing to do that? And with sports, it's, yeah, what do you do with a guy like Chris Sale, $30 million a year? Um, 
you know, who by all accounts is a absolutely phenomenal teammate who, you know, the guys with him absolutely love. Um, what does it take to convince someone like that? You're not going to win a the wild card reason. team because he tests positive. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's so what are you going to do? Just wait for people to figure it out. Or are you going to enforce it? And, right. you know, either they will or they won't. I mean, uh, but it's, you know, the, the human being in me gets incredibly frustrated. You know, how many more people are getting long hauler and may have lifelong, you know, debilitating illnesses uh, because we can't grasp this. And um, again, I don't want to, you know, it's a, it's not my job to, to advocate, but it is our point to scream at, hey, look, this whole a de- democratic society is founded on the idea that we are acting on reason. And the role of the press is to go out there and figure out what's accurate and what's not. We've done it. And we've come back and the consensus is overwhelming. This is what it will take. Right. So do people have the will or not? The, uh, the last uh, thing I, you know, I, I appreciate your time um, is just the, the stands. Uh, I, you know, I said my, 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 my spiel is um, I don't mind the stands being open. I just personally, as long as I have an unvaccinated kid, I, I don't want to do it. That's just my personal stance. Um, I'll still probably go to press boxes, but I haven't in a while just because of all of this. I didn't go to the U.S. Open uh, because of this, you know, this question about the unvaccinated. Um, What about in the I'll tell you right now, the Premier League in Europe, the Premier League uh, says you have to be vaccinated or show a negative test, but they don't check at the door. So that's like saying you have a speed limit, but no cops. So, okay. You know, do whatever you want. What's what's your feeling on the reopening of everything? Like those NFL stadiums are jammed and there's not a thought about COVID then. And I just when I knew we were doing this podcast, I thought about it like, again, I'm not saying cancel games. I'm not saying don't let fans in. But should we be doing this more responsibly? It's just the the math is pretty simple here. If especially in areas where people are not, you know, well vaccinated, and it's clear what parts of the country are not. Um, unfortunately, it has split along uh, along political lines, and in those areas where people don't get vaccines, if you get them, a bunch of them, even in an outdoor stadium, and you cram 70, 80,000 people into one space, you are going to spread the virus. The math is that simple. And for some reason, people seem willing to put up with that. And are you surprised? Because I'm seeing people that I think are smart doing it. Like, I see the pictures on social media you know, of the, you know, the tailgating, you know, it's at Lincoln financial or the football was more than the baseball. And I, you know, again, I'm, we're not doing this on this podcast, but baseball doesn't seem to resonate right now. Like no, there's no buzz around that sport right now. Football though is killing it. The television ratings are with, with crazy. The first three weeks were incredible. There's so much going on and there's 80,000 people in every stadium. Uh, there is and and it's i i think it speaks to well a couple things one is that you need to redefine what 
smart is, right? I mean, there are people who, you know, may be very intelligent in, in a lot of areas, but um, I, I always think of this Alexander Hamilton quote, man is a more reasoning than reasonable animal. Um, you know, we can reason things out like monkeys and figure out how to use a stick and a box to knock a banana off a tree, right? But can we sit there and, and right. accept the idea that yes, you have to sacrifice something, you know, for the public good. Um, and unfortunately with sports, I think, you know, it, it just speaks to this old idea. We want to feel normal. And so if I'm going to an NFL game, it's an escape. It's always been an escape. So I don't want to think about a mask. I don't want to think about, you know, if the person next to me might be giving me, you know, a virus. Um, and it is incredible how people can just block that out of their minds. But, you know, I mean, that, that is, if anything surprises me about people, it's the willingness to live with it. We could end it. We could end it, you know, just take it seriously for, my God, two months and, and it would change everything. And I don't understand it. I, should I feel the sports the same way be doing enough? Like, should, should Roger Goodell be doing something right now? Uh, I mean, it's, it's just not my role to say. I, I, will, I will put it this way. I mean, I, again, I, I do try to be mindful of that. I, I know what my job is. I know what I signed up for. No, I know I why I get paid. But I do know that if he did, it would have an effect. Mm -hmm. If Rob Manfred, if Gary Bettman, if, you know, it, you know any of them said... Him, right. Adam Silver, right, you know, but that, yes, we are going to enforce this. I mean, the concerts I've been to in New York, you are required to be vaccinated and you have to show it. And there is great freedom in standing in a crowd of people, you know, singing together, knowing maybe a few of them faked it or whatever, but right. for the most part, they took it seriously and nobody's freedom is restricted. Your freedom is enhanced now because you took these precautions. Yeah. Uh, TJ, all I can say is you have an open invitation to this podcast. You are uh, a guy that that I knew you had a story to tell. And I said, um, I really, I try on this podcast to not make it about COVID, you know, because if we're talking baseball or we're talking football, or we're talking soccer or whatever we're talking on this podcast. But given the fact that you were dealing with this and your story is not unique, but it's not told. Nobody talks about this. And I thought it was very, very important to do so. I appreciate your honesty, your candor, and all I can do is wish nothing but success for you. No, thanks, brother. No, I, I appreciate that. And I hope, you know, I hope I didn't uh, cut your, uh, your your listenership by droning on too much. But it's, you know, it, it is good to talk about it. Yeah, I, I, I hope it was. I hope it was good. That is TJ Quinn. Uh, you can find him on social media. And of course, uh, we will continue to have TJ on the show. Again, listen to the first episode. We talked at length about Daryl. We talked at length about music. We talked to so, so many different topics uh, the first time you were on the show. And we made this one about COVID. Yes, we did. Uh, but it's. Uh, I think it was important to do so. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. We appreciate the uh, the ratings, the reviews, and everyone, the, the support for the show as we continue here. Uh, every Wednesday, we have a new episode of Sports with Friends. We will see you next week. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. I'm about to go. To stay, I got to be me. You'll never be in die.
person that you really are now. 